0: good morning Rogers Park good morning my name is Phil Adams if we haven't met I have the privilege of uh, serving as one of the pastors here in West Rogers Park and this morning I'll be bringing God's Word to you all it is good uh, to be with you one of the most thought-provoking things that Jesus said has got to be in Matthew chapter 18 verse 3 when he says this unless you turn and become like children you will never enter the kingdom of God unless you turn and become like children you will never enter the kingdom of God this has been a verse that has been going around my head in preparing this week and I've been watching my children what is it about them what do they have that I have lost that I still need What is it about children that we have lost, that they still have, that we still need? In uh, C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, if you've read the book or seen the movie, you'll know that early on in that story, the children, they are running around this big old house, and they're playing hide-and-seek, and the littlest one, Lucy, she hides in this big wardrobe. she she edges into the wardrobe and instead of hitting the back of the wardrobe she hits a tree and then she pushes on to find snow falling to cover a world hidden in a wardrobe she goes and she has tea with a fawn which i think is half goat half human And when she's finished chatting and having some tea with the fawn, she heads back through the snow, back through the wardrobe to tell her brothers and her sisters, you won't believe it. Come and see, come and see. And with her siblings, Lucy, she climbs back into the wardrobe and they are skeptically expecting only the possible. They edge in and bang, they hit the back of the wardrobe. No snow, no trees, no magic. And so Lucy's siblings, they laugh at her for making stuff up. And she's left wondering, where did the magic go? It was here and now it's gone. All through the bible what we find are people living their lives making a living getting married playing games when they stumble upon a wardrobe and entering into that wardrobe they hear the voice of god and they get a glimpse of reality a reality deeper than they have ever known and then before long in frustration they're hitting the back of the wardrobe god where did you go And it is that moment after God has spoken when our circumstances become as impossible as trying to pass through a wooden wardrobe. That is the time for faith. With her siblings laughing and the wardrobe not working, Lucy is called to faith, to believe that the impossible is still possible. Sometimes we can think of the Bible as this magical land with the walls of Jericho falling and voices booming from the sky. And if only we could have lived then, faith would come so easy. And yet, even in the Bible, believing God is never presumed. In the Bible, believing that God exists is presumed. But people believing that God will do what he says he will do is never presumed. Faith is always extraordinary. Faith is always celebrated. The greatest suspense throughout the Bible on every page is after God speaks in the silence. Will he be believed? Will the king of the universe be trusted? Will we have faith? And yet, when we do, when one of us does, heaven cranks up the volume and parties like it's 1969. (laughs) If you have a Bible with you, please turn to romans chapter 4. we're in our series going through the book of romans and we're in romans chapter 4. open your bible please to romans chapter 4. we're going to read from verse 13 to 25. if you've got one of the house bibles that you've grabbed on the way in you can get there by going to page five four eight. and if you would like that bible or don't have a bible please take that bible with you. so let's read romans chapter 4 verses 13 to 25. Not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God of whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what God had promised he would do. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Let's pray. God, we come to your word this morning with expectancy and excitement. God, your word is a doorway into a world that is beyond our world. A world, God, that allows us to see this world as it really is. So God, bring us through today. Reveal yourself to us, God. Give us much hope. Give us much faith to believe this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week and this week, like I said, we're in Romans chapter 4, where we've got to in our series going through Romans. And Paul, he's always trying to change how people think or how his readers are perceiving things and he is trying to reframe how people think about knowing god about being in a relationship with god people have got stuck in bad habits bad patterns regarding the relationship with god primarily thinking that a relationship with god depends on who we are and what we do and paul is working to snap his readers out of this misunderstanding and the way he's trying to do this is to go deep into his original reader's past to find a kind of pivotal figure that shapes their present identity so that if he could just convince them to change their perspective on that one person whom they look up to, it would cause them to change their perspective on their own identity. For Americans, this might be like reframing who the founding fathers were and what their vision was for the Jews and Paul's Jewish readers, it's Abraham. Paul is going big and he's expecting this kind of trickle down effect because for the Jews, Abraham is the epitome of what it means to be in right standing before God. Abraham was chosen by God, as we know this, we say this often to create a nation called Israel through whom God would reveal himself to the world. So Abraham now was the father of all of his Jewish descendants and the Jewish Christians in Rome in the home churches and the house churches there, would have held great pride in their attachment to Abraham because it meant attachment to the chosen of God. So if Paul could just demonstrate that Abraham came into right relationship with God through faith and not works, that would create a domino effect that would impact how the Jewish Christians understood the whole history, history of Judaism. If Paul could just get them to see Abraham's relationship with God through fresh eyes, it would maybe allow them to see their relationship with God through fresh eyes. And so that is Paul's goal. To create a shift in understanding as to how humanity comes into relationship with God and actually a shift back to God's original intent. And this is what Jimmy preached on last week, that the righteousness of Christ is cre- accredited to our account through faith on the basis of faith. Jesus received the wrath of God on the cross, not for his sins, but for our sins. And we receive the embrace of God, not for our righteousness, but because when we have faith, when we believe in the work of Jesus on the cross, Christ's righteousness becomes ours. That was last week. That is this week. That is every week. So now in the latter part of chapter 4... Paul continues his focus on Abraham, but not so much pointing out that Abraham was saved by faith, but explaining why righteousness before God has to come through faith while there is no other option. Romans chapter 4, look down at Romans chapter 4 verse 13 goes like this, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir to the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. What Paul brings up in this week's passage is that he, that is that he has not, it's something that he hasn't done before and he's bringing up the word promise. He reminds us that Abraham's faith wasn't a response to an idea. It wasn't a response to a worldview that he thought made sense. Abraham's faith, his belief, was a response to a promise spoken by God. There was an unassuming man named Terah. he had three unassuming sons one of them called abraham who lived most of his life in a very unassuming way herding animals farming land and now abraham is 75 years old and he's talking to god and he is revealing and he is reflecting on his heart's desires it's either late at night Or it's early in the morning before sunrise. And he says, God, you have never given me any children. My brothers have kids. My friends have kids. But God, my tent has always been and always is eerily quiet. Then in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, it says God brought Abraham outside. It was like God was just right there with Abraham when he was praying. And God said, look up. Towards the sky, a number, the stars, if you can. Some were bright, some were faint, Some seemed to be pulsing, some were shooting. But all of them were innumerable. God must have paused just to let Abraham take it all in. few years ago ruth and i went on vacation to missouri and the stars went from one horizon to the other horizon and yes you heard that right we went on vacation to missouri (laughs) (laughs) then god said (laughs) as abraham cranked back his neck and looked up at those stars with his wispy white hair Blowing in the wind, Abraham, so shall your children be. That Rogers Park is God making a promise. That Rogers Park is God making a God-sized promise. Which is part of an even broader promise that God has already made to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, God said, Abraham, through you I will make a great nation, and through you all the families of the world will be blessed. And it's this promise that Paul is referencing in Romans chapter 4, when Paul refers to Abraham and, and his descendants as the heirs, the receivers, the one day owners of the world. Paul is subtly reminding his Jewish readers, or not so subtly, as they sit in the metropolis of Rome. That God's vision has always been a global vision. God always has framed his ministry as a global ministry. There's always been a tangible connection between the local and the global. God's work in one place has always been for the sake of his work in another place. God is always working towards the horizon. It was not to stop in Rome. It is not to stop with us. That's why Jay and Lee got off a plane this morning from Indonesia at 7 a.m. And I think they're here somewhere. But also, by saying that heirs of the world, Paul is using language to evoke the impossible. You see, the promise had been pronounced by God telling one old man, I will make your family like the stars in the sky to be a blessing to the whole world. And now the temptation was to shrink God's promise down from the impossible to the plausible. For the Jewish believers, they were clinging to the Mosaic Law as a means to find acceptance before God because it was common sense. It was common sense to believe that to be accepted by God, you would have to follow the cultural norms of the historically chosen people of God. That was comprehensible. That was manageable and plausible. But Paul says, no. The promise is not comprehensible. The promise is not manageable. It isn't even plausible. It isn't simply about cultural adherence to the Mosaic law. Let, re- m- let me remind you of the gravity of the promise. Look up. Do you see the stars? The promises is about God creating a people from the whole world, from every tribe and tongue, from every creed and culture, who will one day possess the whole world as heirs of the whole world. Rogers Park, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. When we hit a door in our lives that will not open... We are quick to believe that God is only doing what our human minds can see him doing. We're quick to believe that God is only doing what we can conceive of him doing. We cling to the cultural lenses through which we see the world. We cling to our interpretations, our theological heritage, and our common sense conclusions. But we should be filled with humility and hope that God is bigger than common sense. He is beyond comprehensible, comprehension. He is innumerable. He will blow our minds. He will burst our imaginations. And so, Paul wants to make it clear that the gospel is a dream that should overwhelm us like a starry night. Because once the magnitude of God's promise to Abraham is grasped, it won't be difficult for us to see that it is not going to be fulfilled through human effort. That's the first way that Paul wants us to see that the fulfilling of the promise won't happen through human effort. The promise is just too big. There's a second way. What's interesting about verse 15 is that Paul now takes God's promise to Abraham and he adds the complex twist of how the promise is to intertwine with Abraham's relationship with God. When God originally promises Abraham that his, number, his, his children would be a blessing to the whole world, God says, I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great. I will bless you. So now, not only is the, is the promise an impossible idea, fulfillment of the promise is dependent on being on good terms with God. And yet, verse 15, Paul says, the law brings wrath from God which means that the law proves being on good terms with God is even more impossible than the idea of an old man possessing the world with his millions of children. Let me explain this. The reason that the law of God brings wrath is that when God shows us exactly how to follow him, it just makes it more obvious that we can't. The precision of the law, the precision of loving your neighbor, The precision of do not commit adultery, even in your mind. The precision of kindness and patience and forgiveness. The precision of what it means to love God with all of our hearts exaggerates how much we're missing the mark. We might think that we're great with a bow and arrow until somebody gives us a target. The law is the target. And the target is the proof that we can't argue with because it proves that we can't shoot straight and so paul is stirring his readers to see the impossibility of god's promise to Abram, not only as an idea but due to humanity's sin and so paul concludes that the only way the promise can be fulfilled is through something called faith the only response to the promise that does justice to the impossibility of the promise is faith last summer Ruth and I and the kids we went on another vacation it doesn't happen that often and we went we were in Florida we went to Disneyland we spent an entire 12 hours in a magic kingdom when we got there we shuttled on this train that looked like something from a James Bond movie that literally takes you through hotel lobbies I was setting the bar high we had our bracelets on We had the app downloaded to give live updates on the length of the queues. We were ready for magic. And most of the day, I was like, meh. (laughs) The rides were a little short. The queues a little long. The kingdom a little small. Cinderella was awesome. I thought meeting this princess was going to be like, you know when they open the, you open the gate when you're meeting Santa Claus and you kind of run in and you put one kid there, one kid there. They get a toy, there's a picture, you're out. Cinderella literally floated. <laughs> towards me. I almost dropped a knee. They never leave character. This is what sold me, though. The fireworks show. Wow. After a really long day of hunting down magic, we go outside, thousands of us crammed shoulder to shoulder in front of the castle. Under the open sky, I had Nora in my arms. A nice French man that we met was holding Summer in his arms, which he, re- <laughs> which he regretted 10 minutes into this fireworks show. Ruth at Little Jackson, she was fine. We stood mesmerized by the sparkling lights, the surround sound, Disney music, the best music fireworks shooting across the sky with every song promising life and joy and happiness and fulfillment and magic. And with our next Korean looking up, I was mesmerized as the conclusion started happening. And this voice, booming voice comes out and I was locked in on every word. I was like, teach me your ways. <laughs> <laughs> and it spoke. <laughs> And so our journey comes to an end, but yours continues on. Grab hold of your dreams and make them come true, for you are the key to unlocking your own magic. Now go. Let your dreams guide you. Reach out and find your happily ever after. And then the music builds and builds and builds. And a woman starts to sing the battles, the stories, the losses, and all the glories. And then a man starts to sing. We've been changed by the way we live every day. Just look up and reach the sky. And then they both start singing together. We all have the courage to fly. You can fly. You can fly. You can fly. You can fly. fly. And then... Tinkerbell literally (laughs) jumps from the top of the castle. And I am like, shut up! (laughs) As she flies over our heads. It's just beginning. (laughs) Feel your heart beat faster. Reach out and find your, reach out and find your, reach out and find your happily ever after. And the fireworks go nuts. The fireworks show at Disneyland, maybe, is as powerful a night under the stars as Abraham's night was under the stars. (laughs) Maybe. The dreams desiring fulfillment. The awe, the impossibility, the hope, the booming voice. The fireworks show at Disneyland is like the greatest sermon, the greatest explanation of faith. Faith in yourself. When you're down, get back up. When you're scared, you have the courage. Focus, fight. You can do it. Be it. It's in you. Believe, trust. You've got this. You can fly. And there must be a reason that it is through the eyes of children that we are reminded to dream again for the impossible. There must be something in the fact that it's a magic kingdom created for children where we are reminded that it's okay to dream. And Disneyland ends every day perpetually in that moment of hope and expectancy. W.B. Yeats, though, an Irish poet unfortunately reminds us of what it's like to wake up the next morning after we leave, or the next morning, or the next morning. He writes this reflecting on his childhood when he's writing for his autobiography. He says, for some months now, I have lived lived with my own youth and childhood. He's reflecting back so he can write. Not always writing indeed, but thinking of it almost every day, and I am sorrowful and disturbed. It is not that I have accomplished too few of my plans, for I am not ambitious. But I think. But when I think of all the books that I have read, all the wisdom that I have spoken and heard, of the anxiety that I have given to my parents and my grandparents, and of the hopes and the dreams that I have had, all of life, weighed in the scale, seems to me a preparation for something that never happens. And the reason, Pro Yitz is talking about, the reason that life can feel like preparation for something that never happens, is that we are a world dreaming for the impossible when we're trapped by the possible. We see the remnants of these dreams behind every Avengers movie, where we want goodness and justice to win the fight of the universe, but as the credits roll and we pick the popcorn off our clothes, it seems like preparation for something that never happens. As we read the happily ever after at the end of every fairy tale, it seems like preparation for something that never happens. So the question is, should we stop dreaming? Should we stop hoping? Should we expect the door to stay closed? Do we give up? rogers park you have dreams and desires in your heart that are impossible do not think that they aren't don't think that you can fulfill them don't think you can fix yourself don't think you can fulfill yourself don't think you can find what you're looking for god has placed impossible dreams in our hearts And behind all of our dreams is the ultimate dream to know God and see this world under his rule and his reign. That's the dream of humanity, and it's a dream that we did not conceive of ourselves. It was a dream implanted within us through God's promises. The promises of God are the inspiration behind every happy ending and every fairy tale. Rogers Park, he feeds our dreams with his promises, but his promises are impossible. So should we stop hoping? Should we give up? For Abraham, after that night under the stars, nothing happened. For 25 years, nothing happened. He got older. Sarah, his wife, got older. But Romans chapter 4, 18 to 20, reads like this. In hope, Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been, told, had been told so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which, is, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. How does this make sense? To believe in hope against hope means to have a hope when there is no hope. When his body was 100 years old, when the past 25 years have felt like preparation for something that has never happened, how was it possible to never waver in belief? Everyone listen listen to this. Abraham knew that when God makes a promise, Fulfillment does not develop within the framework of possibilities inherent to our present circumstances. Fulfillment comes through that which is possible to the God of the promise. Abraham knew that when God makes a promise... Fulfillment does not develop within the framework of possibilities inherent to our present circumstances. Fulfillment comes through that which is possible to the God of the promise, which means the impossibility of our circumstances do not limit the God of all possibilities. Rogers Park Paul is pointing, out towards, pointing us towards the possibilities of God. And the possibilities of God make nothing impossible. The, in, the possibilities of God find us dead in our sin. They find us in our Romans 1, 2, 3 rebellion. They find us when all hope is gone. They find us dead, done, down, and out. They find us when our dreams have long gone. They find us when all the doors have been closed. But the possibilities of God breathe life into the barn. Verse 17 says, "The possibilities of God call into existence into existence things that do not exist." We said at the beginning. The greatest suspense throughout the Bible, on every page is after God speaks, in the silence, will God be believed? Will a king of the universe be trusted? Will we have faith? Jesus speaks, come to me all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Will you believe him? Whoever calls in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Will you believe him? Because it is through believing God in verse 22 that the righteousness of Christ is credited to our account and we receive the embrace of God. It is incredible that, yes, God has revealed how humanity can be reconciled back to God. Yes, we can write books and books on our soteriology, outlining what God has accomplished on the cross, what happened in the resurrection, how it all fits together to make a way that can be made, that we can be found righteous before God. But at the end of the day, it's a miracle. And that is why we cannot save ourselves. but faith is belief in a God of miracles. And it is through our faith that he brings about the miraculous work of salvation in our lives. I love what Juergen Moulton says. Faith is called to life through promise, and therefore faith is essentially hope. And remember, obedience to God Is the fruit of hope in God. Thomas Fuller, a British scholar, says he does not believe who does not live according to his belief. True belief, true hope, changes our lives. A land where we started. Unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What do they still have that we have lost? that we still need, what is it? Hopefully you know by now. Kids believe in the impossible. But with a twinkle in their eye, they believe the impossible is possible. Look up. Do you see the stars? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. Let's pray. God, we come before you, God, and we, we ponder your ways. We ponder the cross. We ponder our salvation and how it worked in the ins and outs of it, God. And yet at the end of the day, we recognize that you're a God of the impossible. God, you find us when we were dead in our sin, in rebellion from you, and you transformed us, God. By the work of your hand, by the work of your power, you filled us with your spirit so that we might know you and love you and live for you, God. You're a God of miracles. You're a God of the impossible. You're a God who fulfills all of his promises based on the possibilities of your power. God, we surrender our lives to you. We thank you, God, for what you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to come now to a time of communion, a time where we can celebrate what God has done. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Faith looks back and it finds its confidence in the demonstration of God's love on the cross. And then we look forward, believing that God will fulfill all of his promises. God promises to work everything together for our good. Romans 8, 28. To be with us to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 20, To help us and strengthen us and uphold us. Isaiah 41, 10, To meet all of our needs. Philippians 4, 19, To prepare a good work for us. Ephesians 2, 10, And to bring us safely to heaven. Philippians 1, verse 6. Come now if you believe. If you are ready to believe exit out on your left on this side return through the aisle on your right take the bread which symbolizes christ's body given for us dip it in the cup which symbolizes christ's blood shed for our sins let's pray god you're the god of wonders god you're the god that died on the cross on our, our behalf so that we might receive your righteousness and you god took the wrath that we deserve. God, sink that deep into our souls this morning, God. And if you would have done that for us, there is nothing you will not do for your children. God, on the cross, you sealed every promise for us, God. And that you are a God that keeps his promises by your power, by your possibilities. So God, we look forward in faith for how you're gonna move in our lives and how one day, God, you will present us before you, holy and blameless. Jesus' name.